Well, this is the third message in my series that I've called The Blessed Life, and I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, I hope that you have been blessed uh, the last couple of weeks as I've been teaching. This has been kind of a stretch for me. I haven't always loved teaching about money very much, but I have to be honest with you that as I've been studying this stuff and as I've been teaching it, I think I've probably gotten as much out of it as any of you have gotten out of it. I've been stretched and challenged, and, and I, hope, I hope that you have as well. Uh, last week I talked about tithing. If you weren't here for that uh, message and you've ever had questions about tithing, what it means, is it really a biblical principle? Do New Testament Christians need to tithe? All of those kinds of questions. Uh, if, if any of that has been bugging you or going around in your, in your head, I encourage you to get the podcast if you weren't here last week, and I think you could really benefit from hearing the teaching. And also, we've got some books available right out here uh, called The Blessed Life. This is one of the sources that I've been using for this study, and uh, one of the best books that I've ever read on generosity and the principle of giving. And so if you want to go deeper, pick up one of these books right out there, and Shoni can help you with all of that. Uh, Last week, like I say, I talked about tithing. Today I want to talk about uh, what I'm calling uh, the generous eye. The generous eye. What does it mean to be looking with an eye that is really, really generous? And so that's kind of where we'll be going. How many of you would say tonight that, uh, that... after maybe you've heard some of the stuff that I've shared the last couple of weeks and as, as you've been paying attention to people who are not as well off as you, how many of you would agree with me tonight and say, we are really, 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 really blessed? Anybody? Yeah, I, I, we really are incredibly blessed. And how many of you would agree with Jesus when he says, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive? Would you agree with that tonight? It, it's really true. And, and I don't know about you, but I've been uh, trying to be more and more generous and stretch in that area. Uh, this week I was driving on the freeway and I came up, uh, I was taking the 19th Street exit into Bozeman, 19th Avenue, I should say, and uh, there was one of those people standing there with the cardboard signs, you know who I'm talking about, uh, and, and asking for handouts, donations, and I'll tell you, that's one of the areas that I have been struggling with because uh, I, I know the statistics about so many of those people. There's, there's kind of two groups that they talk about. Uh, one group is the people that are uh, addicted to alcohol or to drugs, and they've lost everything, and a lot of them don't want help. They just, they just want to get a handout and, and live in a tent, and, and they're content with that. They're not trying to change. And I don't want to facilitate that by, by enabling them to continue with that kind of lifestyle. The other group of people that you hear about that are standing on those corners quite often are people that have made that their profession. They do that 8, 10 hours a day, and they're hauling in a lot of money by just standing on a corner with a sign. And so I've heard all those statistics, and it bugs me, you know. And I pulled up to the red light there at the 19th Avenue exit from the freeway. And uh, I hate it when I'm the first one at the light because then you have to sit there and look at this guy, right? And, and looking pathetic and I feel guilty, you know. And I'm, I'm standing there thinking, what do I do? I'm teaching on generosity. I'm, I'm dishing this out to Connect Church. What do I do? And, and so I, I start taking inventory of what I have with me in the truck. And I've, I've got some cash. Last week I had a $100 bill in my, in my wallet. And by this time in the week I'd, I'd broken it. So I had 
three or four 20s in my, in my wallet, but I didn't have any small bills. And I'm thinking, I don't want to give this guy a $20 bill. You know, He's just going to go and buy booze with it. And, and so I'm having this conflict. And then I started looking around my truck. You know, do, I, do I have anything here that I can give him that will benefit him? And, and then the light changed and I just drove off. So, you know, and then, and so I kind of felt guilty you know, that I really didn't live at that moment the generous life. And then I got home and I was looking over my notes, and here's one of the lines that I wrote in my notes. When we give, we are serving and glorifying God. When we give, we are serving and glorifying God. And I realized, you know, sometimes we give with kind of a closed fist. Do you know what I mean? We give and we believe that we have to make sure that whoever is getting what we're giving is going to do the right things with it. I, I want to make sure that this person isn't going to squander my money that I'm going to give him. I want to make sure that the charitable organization that I'm giving to isn't going to waste my money on administrative fees. I want, I want to control what happens with my money that I'm giving. When, in fact, when we give, we're giving that money to serve and glorify God. And we have to learn, I have to learn, how to give with an open hand instead of a closed fist. Here's what Proverbs 22.9 says. It says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. In other words, people who look and see needs and give freely will live the blessed life. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use or the measure you give, it will be measured back to you. And I really believe that this is true, that we will be blessed when we give. And when we give with open hands, we will be blessed. Do you believe that's true? That would be a good place for a rousing amen from everyone in the room and a round of applause. That was weak, but I'll take what I can get. Now, this is what I know to be true. Uh, The more we begin to give and the more we begin to experience the blessing of God, the more we are going to be tested. I shared this with you a little bit last week. I've been kind of going through some of those tests, but here's one of the things I know about these testing times. Uh, I know that Satan can't stop the blessings of God. He can't stop it. But what Satan does do sometimes is he tries to use the blessings of God to disrupt our relationships. And I want to talk about that for just a little bit before we move on to uh, the main topic tonight. Uh, Satan sometimes distorts our relationships through the blessings that we receive. And, And this is what I want you to see here, is if you start giving, if you start really living the blessed life and God pours out his blessings on you, it will be easy to fall into one of two wrong responses. And if you're taking notes tonight, you can write these two responses down. Two wrong responses to God's blessing. The first one is this. It's pride. It's pride. Really easy. 
those of us who have experienced God's blessing, to begin feeling like, wow, I am a really good person, and so God has blessed me because I am something special, right? Easy to fall into this trap. In fact, Jesus addressed one of the churches in the book of Revelation saying this. He said, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you're wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. This was a group of people that had acquired all kinds of worldly wealth. They were blessed. And yet Jesus was saying, you don't even realize that your pride has made you spiritually bankrupt. That can happen to us when we experience the blessing of God. But on the other side of the coin, there can be a second wrong response to God's blessing, and that second wrong response is shame. It's kind of odd because it's the complete opposite response. Instead of feeling proud and arrogant, we feel and sometimes express that we're not worthy to be blessed by God like what we're experiencing. Uh, A good example comes from Genesis 32. Jacob actually prayed to the Lord and he said, Oh Lord, you said to me, I will make you prosper, but I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. And sometimes we can adopt this attitude. I think some of it is false humility and pretending that we really don't deserve or we really are unworthy of the blessings that God brings us. And it distorts our relationships. It disrupts healthy relationships uh, in your families, in your friendships, those kinds of things. Let me illustrate a little bit. How does this happen? Well, if God blesses you with beautiful clothes, all right, uh, you could become proud or you could be shameful. I wore one of my favorite shirts tonight, just to use as an illustration, okay? This is a Tommy Bahama silk shirt. I love this shirt. And, uh, and I feel blessed to be able to own this shirt. Now, if somebody came up to me and said, Pastor Russ, that's a beautiful Tommy Bahama shirt, I could say pridefully, why, yes, thank you. <laughs> it's a beautiful Tommy Bahama shirt. It's 100% silk, and it's made by one of the finest designers of resort wear in the world. And I could just be all arrogant about it, right? Or on the other side of the coin, I could say, oh, you like my shirt? Well, I've had it for 10 years. It's kind of an old rag, and I bought it at a clearance sale. And you know what? The truth is, both of those statements are true. But one of them is proud and arrogant. The other assumes a place of false humility. And the right response would be, you like my shirt? I am blessed. God has blessed me. Instead of being proud or instead of being pretending like I'm so very humble and undeserving, I ought to just point the glory to God. You you understand what I'm saying? Let me illustrate another way. Uh, If you've got a beautiful home, God has blessed you with a great place to live. Uh, Somebody walks into your home. This happens to us all the time. Uh, Chris and I... um, we, we feel very blessed. Uh, we prayed hard before we bought a home here in, in Bozeman, and, and the Lord led us to a house that we could use for ministry, and it's, it's beautiful, and it's spacious, and we have huge groups of people over there all the time. We love it. But sometimes people walk in the, in the house, and, 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 and pride would say, you like my house? Well, you know, it was a step down from what we had before. It could be a lot bigger, you know. That would be pride speaking. Or, or humility or, or shame would say, the house, 
it, it was a foreclosure, and, you know, we could never afford this. We, we don't live high on the hog. It's, it's really not as good as you think it is. It's not as expensive. You, you know, it's, it's just so easy to fall into one of these two camps. But it's kind of interesting because, you know, I don't know of any other area of our lives where we can become so proud or so shameful, two sides of the same coin, uh, except for stuff. We behave this way with our stuff. Nobody ever comes to me and says, uh, you know, you are blessed because of your great wife, you know, and, and, and people tell me that I married well all the time, and I know I did. I was, I was blessed to have married Chris. I don't say, you know, I could have done better. <laughs> it's just with the stuff. <laughs> it's just with the stuff. And if we, if we live in this pride or in this shame, it can start to disrupt our relationships. It's one of those strategies Satan uses in our lives. But here's what I want you to know. The right attitude is cultivated when we remember why God has blessed us. We've got to remember why God has blessed us. 2 Corinthians 9 says, You will be made rich in every way, so that you can be, what? Generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let me read that again. You will be made rich in every way, so that you will be generous. The reason God blesses you, the reason God blesses me with more, is so that I will give more. Genesis 12 says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. And so if you're taking notes tonight, here's the main point that I want you to get tonight, and you can jot this down. Uh, I'm hoping that every one of us tonight will make this commitment Because God has blessed us with more, we will intentionally give more. Because God has blessed us with more, instead of becoming proud and arrogant, or instead of adopting some sort of artificial humility and shame, instead of either of those options, if God blesses us with more, we will just intentionally give more. This is what the blessed life is all about. So tonight, what I want to do to wrap this up tonight is to talk about becoming growing givers. And I want to share with you three types of growing givers, and I want to invite you tonight to become all three of these kinds of giving people. Here's the first one. The first one is a spontaneous giver. A spontaneous giver. Uh, these are people who have generous eyes. They see a need and they just spontaneously, instantly, they've, they've got their wallet open or they're, they're buying something that somebody needs. It, it's just spontaneous for them to give. You know the story probably from Luke chapter 10. Uh, it was a parable that Jesus told about the Jewish man who was going down the highway and he fell among thieves and they beat him up and they robbed him and they left him for dead laying in a ditch. And Jesus was was talking to a Jewish audience, and, and he told about how the priest and, and some other Jewish people walked by, ignored this guy dying in the ditch, and then there was finally another man who came, was of a different race. Do you remember what he was called? 
He was a Samaritan. He was a different race and he was despised by the Jews because of his race. If Jesus was telling the story to Jews today, he would probably say a good Palestinian came by and saw the Jew lying in the ditch. It was something that just wouldn't happen. And that Samaritan, instead of walking by and ignoring the man who was suffering, he gathered him up, he bandaged his wounds, he took him to an inn, And then Jesus wraps up the story by saying this in verse 35 of Luke 10. The next day, the good Samaritan took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. This was a man who had a generous eye and he was a spontaneous giver. He saw a need and so he gave. Now, I think we've got lots of people at Connect who are really great at being spontaneous givers. Uh, We had a woman uh, last Sunday in our Sunday morning service who came to church. She'd been away for quite a few Sundays because her car had broken down, and a friend gave her a ride to church, and she was there, and uh, she was really emotional that Sunday because she, she was just so grateful to be in church. And the topic I was teaching on, being generous and giving generously, tithing was difficult for her. She cried through my whole message. Uh, It it was just an emotional time for her. But uh, we found out that her car was broken down. And that day before she left the building, somebody in our church said, I will help you fix your car. I'm a mechanic. I have the skills. I will fix your car. He got together with her during the week, diagnosed the problem, found out it was going to cost some money. Somebody else came alongside, had the money to give towards the, towards the fixing of the car, and this week she'll get her car back ready to drive, and she won't have that problem of no wheels. Spontaneous giving. Uh, two weeks ago, in our Sunday evening gathering, I was sharing with you about the Leadership Summit coming up in August. And we've got about 25, 26 people already registered to go to that conference right here in Bozeman. Very excited about it. And two weeks ago that night, uh, somebody walked up to me and, and said, I can't go to the conference, but I believe that it's important for somebody to go. So here's money for a scholarship and somebody needs to go. And, and this last week, I got a phone call from somebody that wants to go, didn't have the money. I already had the scholarship available because somebody is a spontaneous giver. It's a great way to live. It's the generous eye. And people who are spontaneous givers are blessed. But here's a second kind of giver. And, and this is one of the ways you can grow is to start moving out of just the spontaneity into this next area. The second kind of giver is the strategic giver. The strategic giver. Here's a verse from Isaiah 32 that I think is very interesting. It says... Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. In other words, if you're a strategic giver, you sit down with your budget, and you make a plan for how you're going to give, and and you work it into your budget, so you make sure that this is something that you're doing on a regular basis. Um, I believe that tithing is clearly strategic giving. Uh, Those of you that have started this habit, this spiritual habit of tithing 10% of your income as the first and the best of your gifts to the Lord, 
um, you know that this is strategic. You've got to budget it. You've got to plan for it. And, and, and you just make that happen as a, as a strategy. Uh, last week, like I said, I talked about tithing and I, I gave you the principle, I will give my first and my best so that the Lord will bless the rest. And I talked about the fact that the tithe, according to the book of Leviticus, belongs to the Lord. It doesn't even belong to us. You remember that? Uh, God says the tithe is mine. It is holy to the Lord. It doesn't even belong to us. And so when we understand that principle and we return the tithe to the Lord, it's strategic. And, uh, and it just comes naturally to people who are strategic givers. I have a, a short video on tithing that I've used before. I don't know if you all have seen it before, but it really illustrates this principle of tithing so well, and I wanted to use it again tonight. So take a look at this. What is this? Donuts. Okay. Go ahead. I can have them. You can have them all. These are for me. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. You just, you look hungry. That is a good donut. All right, well, I got to hit the road. You mind if I, you mind if I just take one for the road? Just, just one. Well, I am really hungry, and I missed breakfast this morning. I'm probably going to miss lunch, and I was going to take these home to my wife and kids. Really, to be honest, they got to last me the whole week. Doesn't that illustrate it well? God gives everything that we have to us. It's not unreasonable for him to ask for 10% back. And if we're strategic givers, we'll do that. Uh, I want you to know that we're trying to make it as easy as possible for people to give strategically. And we finally got online giving up and running on our website. If that's convenient for you, uh, I want you to know that that's available. And very soon we should have uh, the availability to make recurring donations, which just means if you want to strategically give and, and you want uh, your bank account to automatically give a donation to Connect Church every month as a tithe, uh, we'll have that set up, and you don't even have to think about it. It'll just automatically happen. And we're not trying to get people to go into debt or use your credit cards irresponsibly. That's not it at all. We just want to give you the tools uh, in today's uh, in today's world, lots of people don't use cash or checks. They do everything electronically. And so if that'll be convenient for you, that's, that's coming very soon. You can give online at this point, though. Uh, but, but giving strategically is one way to grow. Uh, when Chris and I were first married, I heard somebody teaching on giving, and I heard this idea that resonated with me of giving a percentage of your income above the tithe. And so when Chris and I got married, we had this conversation, and I said, Chris, I think we should be growing givers, and, and what I want to do is every year I'd like to increase our giving by a percentage amount. And so uh, we did that for many years, just consistently increasing our giving. It was a strategy for growing in giving. 
And then uh, later on, we decided to change our strategy a little bit. We began supporting missionaries on a monthly basis. And in addition to tithing, we were supporting missionaries. And periodically, we would increase the amount we were giving to missions. And, and it's a method of strategically growing in our giving. And, and I just want to encourage you uh, to, to pray about how God would use you to strategically grow as a giver. If you think about uh, some of the stories in the Bible, people strategically gave from beginning to end. If you think about Abraham, uh, he sent gifts along with his servant when he sent the servant out to find a wife for his son. Sent the gifts uh, ahead of time, knowing that some young lady was going to need pretty bracelets and nose rings and things, you know. And and so he sent that on ahead. He was planning for that, you know. Uh, If you think about the three wise men who were looking for Jesus... Uh, they came with gifts. They didn't wait till they found Jesus and then go to Target to find out what was on the clearance rack, right? Uh, they came with gold and frankincense and myrrh. They were prepared and strategized for worshiping with gifts. It's a good way for us to grow in giving. Here's the last one, number three, if you're taking notes. You can be a spontaneous giver. You can be a strategic giver. You can also be a sacrificial giver giver. A sacrificial giver. Sacrificial giver is somebody that just goes all fanatical on this giving thing, and they say, I'm going to give ridiculous amounts of money. I'm going to give more than I can afford to give. Uh, This book, The Blessed Life, tells some stories about people like this. In fact, one of the one of the fascinating stories in this book is the author tells about a time when the Lord put on his heart and his wife's heart at the same time that they were supposed to give away everything they owned. And it took them some time to drain their checking account, their savings account, all of their stocks and investments, their retirement account. They liquidated everything, gave it all away because they believed that God was calling them to be sacrificial givers at that magnitude. Does that blow your mind? But God blessed them within nine months. The Lord had restored everything. And from there, their blessings increased. It had taken them a lifetime to accumulate that amount of money. And within nine months, the Lord had restored it all and more. Sacrificial giver. Now, um, the Lord might put it on your heart to be a sacrificial giver. But you may think, you know, uh, you kind of have to be wealthy to be a sacrificial giver. I hear this all the time. People say, you know, when I make more money, I'm really going to start giving. And, and certainly, it, you can be wealthy and be sacrificial giver. In the Bible, Solomon was a very wealthy man, and he came to worship at the time of his coronation. Uh, the law required a sacrifice of one bull. He, he sacrificed a thousand. Can you imagine how long it must have taken to slaughter a thousand bulls and sacrifice them in the smell and everything else, you know? Uh, but he wanted to do something extraordinary. Uh, his father, David, said at one point, I will not sacrifice anything that will not cost me something. Again, a very wealthy man made that statement. If I could paraphrase, he, he was saying, in effect, when I give, I want to feel it. It, it can't be just out of my abundance and my overflow. I want to feel it when I give. This is a sacrificial giver. 
But I, I want you to see this tonight. You don't just have to be wealthy to be a sacrificial giver. In Mark chapter 12, we read a very interesting story. It says that Jesus sat down in the temple opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. When I was studying this morning, that that line jumped out at me. I've never really paid attention to that before, that Jesus was watching as people were giving. I could preach on that, but I won't. It says, Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. A sacrificial giver. And what I want you to know tonight is that if God is calling you to grow as a giver and he's calling you to be a sacrificial giver, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. What matters is that you give in obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Many of you are probably aware of, uh, of a financial instructor called Dave Ramsey. Do you know that name? And his, uh, his program, Financial Peace. Thank you very much. Couldn't remember it this morning either. Uh, Dave Ramsey is a very good Christian man who has helped uh, thousands, if not millions of people, get themselves out of debt and get onto a path of, of uh, consistent financial management and, and doing good things with their, with their money. And, and he says this. He encourages uh, his students to live today like no one else so one day you can live like no one else. And if you've ever taken Dave Ramsey's course, you've probably heard that line. Live today like no one else, so one day you can live. What what he's saying is, be frugal today, deny yourself today, get yourself out of debt, save, have an emergency fund, all that kind of stuff, so that someday you can really live and and live it up. Uh, one One of the authors that I've been studying for this series, Craig Groeschel, said he and his wife have known Dave Ramsey personally, and they've gone through his program and have been blessed. But they modified that statement somewhat for their family. And this is what they say. They say, live today like no one else so we can give like no one else. Little bit different perspective. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, I'm very appreciative for Dave Ramsey and the way he's helped so many people. But I, I have had friends who have gone through the Dave Ramsey thing, they've gotten themselves out of debt, and they've gotten their emergency fund and their, their savings account and, the, and their budget and their envelopes and all that kind of stuff, and they become very, very stingy, and they don't give spontaneously. They tithe, but that's all. They aren't growing givers. They certainly will not sacrificially give, and they become very tight-fisted, and, and they become kind of the opposite of people that spend all their money on themselves and, and instead, they just become people who save all their money for themselves. And it becomes the same problem on, on, in a different way. It's still selfishness. And I'm not saying that about everybody who's ever da- done Dave Ramsey. It's just some people take it to that extreme. I, I just want you to know that even if you are financially responsible with your money, the Lord calls us to be givers. And Jesus says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It is more blessed 
to give than it is to receive. It is more blessed to give than it is to save a whole bunch of money. It's more blessed to give than to have a fully stocked emergency fund. It's more blessed to give than to have the biggest retirement account in the world. Why? Because when we give, God blesses us. We live the blessed life by living a generous life. So tonight I just want to wrap up by encouraging you to become a growing giver. Becoming a growing giver. If, if you haven't started the spiritual discipline of tithing yet, I hope you will do that. And I hope you'll be a spontaneous giver, respond to the needs. Uh, somebody this morning after my message shared with me, and I'm going to do this this week. And they said they knew of somebody that keeps McDonald's coupon, McDonald's gift certificates in their car. So when they see the people with the signs on the freeway, they can give them something uh, for them to get themselves a meal. I'm going to do that this week, and I'm going to keep McDonald's gift certificates in my car so I can give, and I can give spontaneously without feeling bad about it. Um, but I also hope that you'll commit to be a growing giver and becoming a strategic giver. And some of you are going to go way off the deep end and become one of these fanatical, sacrificial givers. And, and I know that as you obey the Lord in the discipline of giving, God is going to bless you. It's the blessed life. So, why don't you bow your heads and pray with me. Lord Jesus, again tonight, I, I just want to end this message like I have the last two by thanking you, Jesus, for giving of yourself. And those of us who wear the, the label of Christian or a follower of Christ, Lord, when we think about your indescribable gift, we have to say to ourselves, how can I be anything but a giver? How can I not give when I have been the recipient of amazing grace? And so, Jesus, for those of us that have been stingy and have been tempted to hold tightly to our money and our things. Jesus, help us to grow as givers. Help us to be spontaneous. Help us to be strategic. And Lord, as you, as you move on our hearts to be sacrificial, give us hearts that are obedient. And Lord, we will step out in faith and trust you to bless us so we can give even more. I believe that the blessings are not for our own indulgence, but they're so that we can give more and more, and more, and more. Now, if you would keep your eyes closed and your head bowed tonight, I just want to ask you, if you're here tonight, and you haven't yet received the, the gift of Jesus Christ, you haven't said yes to him and the forgiveness that he offers, I would love to pray with you to receive Jesus tonight. Uh, he died for you so that you wouldn't have to pay the penalty for your own sin. And uh, I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you in any way, but if you just want to slip your hand up, I'll know that you want to pray tonight, and we'll all pray together for you to be reconciled to God through Jesus. Anybody here tonight? Okay. Well, Jesus, we just want to worship you. We love you, and we know that you're a good God. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together. Would you sing with John tonight?
sorrow. 